The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Welcome to the latest edition of the SWN Podcast. I am your host, as always, Billy. I am joined this week by the headline maker himself, fellow podcaster, uh, Kurt Cooper. How you doing? I'm not too bad at all, Billy. Thanks for asking. Thanks for, for getting me on the, the show. It's nice to, to grace the, the SWN and, uh, and on the other side of the microphone. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a bit strange being interviewed uh, instead of being the interviewer. So, so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it's, it's very weird because I'm, I'm trying to put my name out there to do interviews. I don't know why anyone wants to speak to me particularly, but I'm like, <laughs> I, I want to at least plug this. And yeah. uh, it is a very odd experience. Someone turn around to you going, oh, uh, wh- wh- what do you like? What do you like? Uh, I don't know. I think I've told everyone <laughs> the same story four times now, um, which will probably appear in this podcast as well because I, I have very limited do. stories. Um, anyway, the first <laughs> question is always the same, though. What got you to pro wrestling? What got you hooked? I, I, two words, SummerSlam 90. Uh, that was the, the, the thing that got me gripped from an early age. So I'll be 36 this year. So in, in, uh, in 1990, when SummerSlam 90 was around, uh, I just turned five. Uh, and I remember uh, there was a Vets video in Lanark where, where I grew up. Uh, and they had all the, the Coliseum videos. Uh, and I would go in there all the time with my mum and we'd, we'd look through all the cartoons, all the Disney stuff, all that kind of thing. But I always gravitated towards the, the shiny yellow and purple videos uh, that were in this. Uh, and I can't remember if it was my birthday or Christmas or if it was just a special occasion where my mum had a wee bit of extra money kicking over. We went in one day and we actually bought the video instead of renting it and we bought in a pit SummerSlam 98. It had Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Big Boss Man, Earthquake, Dino Bravo, Ravishing Vic Good on the front of it. So it's like, there's loads of guys on this. This this is going to be brilliant. And, you know, up to that point, I knew I knew what wrestling was. I was aware of like Hogan and Warrior and stuff like that. But when I switched it on and uh, the, the, I think first match on it's uh, Power and Glory versus the Rockers, I was just hooked. The colours... The, the, the big bad guys against the, the faces or the good guys, you know, when I was five and I didn't know the, the terminology and whatnot. But the thing that really sold it to me was uh, it was Mr. Perfect versus the Texas Tornado for the Intercontinental Championship on on that uh, show. Just hooked me in, you know, because they really built up that it was, it was Texas Tornado's debut. And to me, like, I didn't know otherwise all of them could have been debuting at this show for, for as much as I knew. But just the the way that Perfect sells in that match is unbelievable. Like, it's over the top selling, but I think it's like a, a four, four and a half minute match or something. But just the, the story they told in that four and a half minutes, the way that Bobby Heenan is throughout it. Uh, and then when uh, Tornado hits his Tornado punch and uh, Perfect pretty much sells it with like a 590 dotation just for this one punch. I was like, oh, this is, this is amazing. And then you go further on the card on it, You've obviously got like Hogan and, and Earthquake and uh, Warrior and Ravishing Vic Dude as the, the double main event on it. Uh, but you, you've also got the, the Hart Foundation against Demolition uh, for the tag team titles. And it's, it was when uh, Crush 
was debuting for them as well. And there was all the shenanigans under the thing. And I just, it's, it's etched in my brain, the, the whole thing, you know, when I was five years old. So so that, that that was what kind of really kind of hooked me in. And then obviously you grow up and, you know, I, I didn't have Sky or anything growing up. And, and like many people my age, when the Royal Rumble was in Channel 4 in 2000, that, that, that sucked me back in, you know, Sunday night heat uh, for the previous week on the Sunday and whatnot, the way that all, that all went around. So that, that, that got me back into it in my teens. So, so yeah, I'm very much indebted to, to SummerSlam 90 uh, for uh, for bringing me into it and then obviously Council Telly keeping me interested in it when, I, when I was getting older. I know, Channel 4, uh, we as, as our age, I'm, I'm 30, so I'm right about the same age, but um, we're, we're indebted to Channel 4, I think, for keeping mm-hmm. that interest alive. Uh, speaking of like first VHS and your SummerSlam 19, mine was WrestleMania 15. And mm. I don't care what anyone says, that is an excellent WrestleMania. And I think it's purely because of nostalgia reasons for me, because it's my yeah. first one. Because <laughs> I think if, if I came into any other time and I would have watched that one back and went, that's oh, not the best one, is it? But because it was my first VHS and I've, I've watched that so much. And it was for the same reason. We're on holiday. My dad somehow... It was, it was like, hi, you, you want one of them tapes? And it was an 18, I think, or assume 15. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was what, uh, 12 or something. It was like, oh, I'll get you that. That's no bother. And yeah, uh, amazing. Same holiday, I got my first action figures as well. Best holiday ever. Um, <laughs> that, that is such an important part of it, growing up as well, because like, you, you go about, you know, I, I was daft for like the Power Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all that when, when I was young as well. And it's that tie-in of you see it in the television, you see it in the toy shops. I remember uh, not long after uh, getting getting hooked by SummerSlam 90, it was, must have been then about Christmas time, and we had a, a John Menzies in Lanark, uh, and it had like a toy section up the back of it, and it was just all wrestling figures. So I ended up, I've got the Macho King, Randy Savage, not Macho Man, the Macho King, and he had the wee rubber crown that you could put in your thumb and whatnot. And yeah, I, I ended up, amassing quite a collection of them in a, a couple of years ago so obviously I'm, I'm here in Northern Ireland uh, but almost my family and everything are, are back home and my mum had came over because she'd moved house and she brought over all my old uh, Hasbro toys that I had there was some that I, I don't, didn't even remember having at the time but uh, I, obviously I had Perfect and Mr. Uh, Mr. Perfect in Texas Tornado so I could decay everything with that I had, uh, Akeem Bossman on there the Giant Warrior Bret Hart Bulldog and, and my daughter plays with them now as well. As, as I was saying before they came on, you know, she she commandeered my, my Ultimate Warrior Funko Pop. Uh, but she she regularly plays with my my you know 30-year-old uh, toys as well. And it's just it's it's amazing that, that they've held up and it was just it was it was really nice getting getting them back because it was at the time that I was just getting into to you know, what I do in wrestling now that, that they came in. It was a nice weekend of nostalgia uh, trip that I went on playing with them, making sure that they were all still in full working order and, and whatnot. But I, I don't have the Macho King one. That has somehow evaded me. It's, it's got lost over the, la- over the last two decades or whatnot, but uh, it must be kicking about somewhere. Um, I, I remember, I, I wasn't I was there for the Hasbros, um, well, at the time. My first figure was a bone-crunching draws. And then it was a bone-crunching gold dust and a bone-crunching Ken Shamrock. And they all did the stunner. That was their, that was their move, because the blue one I knew. <laughs> um, and uh, oh, my, my draws, it lost at a 
his hand. I don't know how, but he did. He lost his hand at some point. But I was I went to a market and is when I was uh, young, single, and some should have not had disposable income, but had disposable income because um, <laughs> I lived on my own. Should I should be paying bills really? Um, and someone was selling Saturday market a box full of Hasbro's, and I was just looking at it going, "How much for that box?" And they were like, "I uh, know thirty pound." There you go. I'm Don't taking all these take money. <laughs> uh, and they were just, I mean, unfortunately I got rid of them when I moved uh, in, in with my, my then girlfriend, my wife, um, just because I've, I've somehow kept hold of the DVDs and the videos, the toys had to go. And I'm slowly mm. getting them back into the house <laughs> just yeah. with Funko Pops <laughs> first. Um, but no, I got rid of them, but there were, there were some, most of them were in disgusting order. They needed a good deep clean. They were covered in paint or crayon or, um, but the one I wish I kept was uh, a Roddy Piper one. Mm. It was uh, because now I'm so into Scottish wrestling. I want like all the Scottish ones in the background. I don't have any of them because Roddy is ridiculously expensive for a pop, and uh, Drew is somewhere in pre-order hell. Aye, trying to get him. I imagine there'll be quite a few different ones of him getting generated as well. Now they've got him with the the, the kilt and the the sword and and whatnot back now. They've. I'd imagine that they'll, they'll, the, the initial one they had after they, they, they won at Mania last year, I'd imagine there'll be a, a couple of different ones now. Uh, it's the first uh, actual action figure I've bought in years. I went to B&M and just saw them for £8. I was like, I'm going <laughs> to buy you. I have no reason for it, but I bought it. And I went back in next week and it was, there was another one. I thought, mm-hmm. I'll buy that one as well. And I, I gave it away in a competition through here because I, I had no reason for having one. I definitely had no reason for having two. So to at least get rid of one of them, um, but I was just was too that's, excited. That, that, that's kind of how I've been the, over the last year. But instead of the the figures, it's been wrestling t-shirts. Like, I've never really been much of a, a merch guy at all. You know, the the wrestling shirts that I bought before were all just like kind of uh, squares uh, from squarecircle.com. Uh, so I had like the the people's champion rock one that they had done, uh, the, uh, the forbidden objects one that that's just covered in weapons and stuff so they've got the really cool designs and then at Mania last year I, I, I get totally worked uh, and ended up buying a hot rod uh, classic white with a red uh, trim t-shirt and uh, Drew's t-shirt at the time and then I've slowly been like, adding stuff to it so the I think I got I ended up getting the <laughs> the, the stadium stampede t-shirt that Jericho that then circle brought out like the, the, the fake winners one <laughs> got that somewhere and I'm considering depending on, on how my pay uh, my, my paycheck looks at midnight tonight, I'm considering getting the uh, Exploding Barbed Wire Deathmatch uh, one just because uh, of the, the novelty of it and, and what it means at this moment in time in wrestling Absolutely, I mean I've got I've got a suitcase full of t-shirts, Scottish wrestling ones I've got a, you said a hot rod one, I've got a um, Frats one so it's got frats at the front, it's red and white, and on the back of it, it's got a list of all the uh, wrestlers that passed away before that t-shirt came up. Oh. I actually met Roddy wearing it, and I'd, he seemed so excited to see someone wearing that t-shirt, because he never sees it. <laughs> and I was just like, if I could take it off my back, I would, but I'd be very cold, because it's Inverness. Uh, so <laughs> I'd be like... Oh, it was just, yeah, one of those weird things. Anyway. Um, funnily enough, uh, sorry, uh, well, not, not funnily enough, but uh, the last time I was in Inverness was the weekend that Roddy Piper died. Uh, I was so over, 
I'd, I'd, look, me, me and my friends uh, back home, we're, we're all massive Marvel fans. Uh, so anytime we were away at Inverness, we'd make pilgrimage uh, up north, up, up to nine to, to go. Uh, and it meant even more, because after I moved over here, it meant I could get a, a whole weekend of it, as opposed to just like a Friday night, Saturday night kind of thing. Uh, and I think it was, it must have been one of the last times we were over. But it was that weekend uh, that Doddy Piper uh, died. Uh, I remember bumping into some of the other guys that I know for the football. Uh, that we'd been to the wrestling as well, and we were like pouring one out in uh, in Johnny Fox's uh, for the body paper. Oh, papers! I don't care what anyone says. I don't. I know he's Canadian, but he's one of us. He's still going to be one of us until ah. the end. Um, so, how did you go from watching to training and and going to be a wrestler? So, well, it's a it's a strange story. So, basically, anything that I've uh, enjoyed doing as a hobby. Uh, in my life, I've ended up turning into some sort of work. Uh, so, through like, I always wanted to be a journalist. That that was my my goal. Uh, growing up, I always wanted to get into journalism, uh, and well, I, I never managed to make the, the jump to being a full on journalist. I got my media degree at Cali, uh, Glasgow Cali Uni, uh, and I wasn't doing anything with it at all. Then, an opportunity. Uh, uh, Motherwell Football Club came up to be uh, like just doing the match reports on the day for the website and stuff like that and that kind of snowballed into uh, you know getting work at the Daily Record and uh, STV covering uh, football, covering ice hockey. I thought you know there's a lot of football uh, journalists or the guys writing about football in Scotland. I'll make a kind of a switch and ended up doing a lot of ice hockey stuff when Brayhead clan or Glasgow clan now uh, started up and from there after getting involved in the, the ice hockey side the stuff I took up ice hockey off the back of it and I was absolutely dreadful at it absolutely dreadful at it uh, and it wasn't long after that, that I ended up moving over uh, to, to Northern Ireland uh, and I tried to keep my, my neb in with the ice hockey stuff and when I moved over here, I was just doing like normal sales jobs and whatnot. Uh, and I was trying to get back into the media side of things. So Gregor Kyle at the, the Daily Record, and I think he's the, the main editor for Glasgow Live uh, as well just now. He put in a good word with the, the guys at the Daily Mirror over here. And I know this is like, I'm, like I'm, not, I'm not answering your question, but this is, this is the lead up to it. Uh, but basically, uh, Gregor put in a word with me with a guy called Chris Sherrard, who's the editor at the Mirror over here, they, they do the, the mother, Northern Ireland and .ie uh, and basically Chris was, you know, he was giving me sub shifts and whatnot and I said to him, look, I do hockey writing, I do football writing, any kind of sports, uh, so it would occasionally from time to time get me to, you know, do bits and bobs for the, the Irish League over here or the Belfast Giants, ice hockey, that kind of thing. And then I'd noticed that uh, Kevin Nash, was coming over to Belfast to do a show with Pro Wrestling Ulster. So I was like, hmm, that's that's quite interesting. I'm going to see if I can get an interview with Kevin Nash, because that would be quite cool. And again, another way of diversifying what I do if I could become like the wrestling writer for Belfast Live. So I contacted uh, Andy, who was the, the guy running PWU at the time. And I was like, look, Kevin Nash, come over, I'd do like uh, uh, to interview him for Belfast Live, use that wee bit of clout. Uh, and he's like, aye, that's no worries, I'll see what I can do. So I got to like two days before the, the event, I hadn't heard anything back from Andy. Uh, so I messaged him again, I was like, is this Kevin Nash uh, interview happening? And he's like, 
no, but we can give you Tucker. And at this point, uh, there was rumours that Tucker was just about to go to to the WWE. So I was like, oh, well, you'd know if that 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 saying, you know, if you shoot for the moon, if you miss, you fall, you, you still fall amongst the stars kind of thing. So Tucker was my, my first uh, interview that I did for Belfast Live. Really just, you know, didn't know an awful lot about him, but I get a really good chat about it. Managed to, to blag myself a couple of tickets for the, the Kevin Nash show, which I ended up not using. Uh, and then I never managed to get along to it. But off the back of that, I'd kept in touch with, uh, with PWU, kept up to date with him. And I'd messaged Andy, because again, through trying to be a, a journalist, so to speak, I, I like to throw myself into things and put myself up for any opportunity. So for the example, when I was, when I first started doing the stuff with Brayhead Clan, uh, I ended up being their mascot for the night uh, in one of the matches against Fife. So I was the, again, I don't know if, if you know your, your UK and Scottish ice hockey, but uh, the, the Brayhead Clan mascot is a seven foot tall Highland cow. So they ended up uh, giving me the opportunity to get out in the ice and go around all the fans dressed as Clangus, dancing in the middle of the rink during the, the breaks and whatnot. So I thought, I've used that for, you know, journalistic purposes. What can I do wrestling-wise that I could maybe get into, you know, to to get an experience that I could write about? So I'd messaged Andy saying, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to become a ref because, you know, at that time I was, what, 30? I just turned 30, 31. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be taking bumps or anything. So I messaged him saying, look, I'd like to be trained to be a ref. This is my reason why. And he's like, no, if you're coming along to train with us, you come along and train to be a wrestler and then if you know depending on how well you go with that we can make you a ref or whatever so I kind of left it at that and then in the January they put out a thing saying they were taking on a new uh, intake of trainees and I was like I might as well you know I could, I could go I could pay my pay my fees go along for for one session because initially it was an eight, an eight week course so I go along for one session if I don't like it it's not too much money uh, that I've burned on. I think it was Carol McHugh had scored a winner for Motherwell against Harps in the Scottish Cup, which won me 89 quid and it was 80 quid for the, the eight weeks. So I was like, I've got the money there, it's, it's free money to, to do it. Uh, so I was like, I'll go along. If I don't, if, if it's too much for me uh, physically, I'll, uh, I can back out. I can always say that I tried. Uh, and after taking my first bump, I was like, I'm sold. This, the, 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 I, I want to do this a, a lot more. So my first session, it was JDP. Uh, he uh, is now the, the the guy that runs Titanic Wrestling, which uh, took over for well, those from the, the Ashes of Pro Wrestling All-Star in uh, 2020, uh, 2019, 2020. Uh, but yeah, he, it was him and there was one other guy turned up to, the, to this first training session of the new intake. The other guy never came back. Don't know what happened to him. Uh, he took a few uh, he took a few uh, scoop slams off me. Uh, we both did a couple of uh, Ric Flair bumps off the top rope in our first session, uh, and it was too much for him. But I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to keep going at this. I'm going to keep going at it. Uh, and the, the eight weeks has turned into three years, well, three, three years chronologically, obviously last year was a complete write-off <laughs> for, for obvious reasons, but but yeah, uh, 2000, start of 2018 to, to now, uh, I've, I've, I've been fully entrenched in, in Northern Irish wrestling and 
I love it. I absolutely love it. It has it has its issues, like like I'm sure any wrestling scene has, but uh, but for me, it's, it's it's been a great experience so far. So that, that was my long winded way of getting down to, to answering your question. <laughs> that that's absolutely fine. Uh, but yeah, issues, of course. I think anyone who who knows anything about the Scottish scene, especially last year, knows there was issues. Um, but just to just to like bullet point some bits when you were speaking uh, when you speak about ice hockey. I have an absolute fear of getting my fingers ripped off. Uh, <laughs> I I try. I did ice skating once, and I'm okay. I can keep myself balanced. That's pretty much the the long and short of it. But um, I, as soon as I fell, I only fell once during that two hours I was on the ice, and as soon as I hit the ice, I just had had the just visions in my head of my fingers going off, and I thought, mm-hmm. nah. I'm gonna go back on again. That's that's probably what? as close as a phobia I can get with just I'm not going near anything with ice skates. I just don't like it. Oh no, it's it's the it's the the limbs that are the worst thing. You know, it's very rare, especially in ice hockey. You've got the gloves. You've got the gloves when you're playing ice hockey, and the gloves are deliberately curved so that your fingers aren't sticking out if you do fall. Uh, but there was one night at training uh, where we were doing a line change. And one of the guys uh, went, well, was coming over to the the door, and he went to like do like a skid stop thing, uh, and got his blade stuck, and his leg just went that shape right in front of me. Oh. And everybody was laughing at him. Everybody was laughing at him, but I, I saw it. I was like, no, no, get get an ambulance, get an ambulance right now. It is the worst thing I've ever seen. Oh, it was it was horrific. It was just I don't know if you've ever seen the film uh, Freddy Get Fingered with, with Tom oh, Green. I haven't. No, it's it's an absolutely ridiculous film. But there's a bit in that where his mate is, uh, he, he builds his own half pipe in his his front garden, and his mate's doing it, and he tips over a, a a wire, and he breaks his leg, and it shows that his leg like like a chicken bone just being snapped. That's right. that's what this boy's leg was like. It was absolutely horrific. Worst thing, worst thing I've ever seen. So like um, uh, Sid. Oh yeah, I, yeah. That's probably the better example of it for the for the wrestling viewership. Uh, like I said, it was oh, it was it was horrific. That's horrific. such a weird time in a story because I was watching Lockdown 2005 today, and the first match, uh, Chris Candido uh, is teaming with Lance Hoyt, and uh, he goes in by not even two minutes in opening exchange with uh, Sonny Siaki. Was it Sonny Siaki? It might be an Apollo. Come, Sonny Siaki, and. Uh, he, he had to be rolled out and then that was it and they kept saying oh he broke his leg didn't really notice anything and then they showed the replays afterwards and it's a it just freak the leg just buckled back and then mm. it did it in slow motion to the point where uh, he's lifting his leg back up and it was just yeah. oh it was just I, I, I remember like seeing like uh, you know Dave Boost that used to play for Coventry he did that old Trafford when Henrik Larson did his one uh, in the UEFA Cup as well, it's just awful, just awful seeing that kind of thing. And you know, it's I, I'm surprised that I've not seen more of those kind of injuries in wrestling over over the years that I've been been involved in it. Uh, but it just goes to show how how safe people need to be because because limbs, arms, legs, whatever can they, they can just go, they can just go, and it's horrific when it happens. Absolutely, uh, but yeah, I've I've always there's always a fleeting moment in my brain that goes, oh, maybe you should just try one session, see how it goes, and then I just think, I don't want to get hurt. Why would I want to do it? What's what's the point? <laughs> I know that I'm not going to enjoy it. I don't like getting up after uh, like a couple of hours. Why am I going to enjoy getting bumped and and that? Uh, so what was <laughs> what was it like 
you say you're hooked, but uh, what was it like that first bump? Was it was it like, oh my god, this is real, or or what was your first well, thoughts? It's a strange one because like, and going into it, I, I know that there's like etiquette and and whatnot. Uh, that surrounds the wrestling industry uh, and it's somebody that always looked in for the, the outside and uh, listened to podcasts and, and read books about how respectful you need to be and stuff. I was fully expecting my, my first session, I wouldn't even be in the ring. I was fully expecting it to be like cardio stuff, blow up drills, that kind of thing. But uh, it was just basically started off with a well, warm-up where, where we, we used to train at PWU. Uh, it was a, an old uh, B&Q warehouse uh, up the, the Butcher Road in Belfast. Absolutely massive, massive complex. They used to use it for like loads of different stuff. Uh, it's now the, the biggest range on the island of Ireland, like the range, like home store thing. Uh, but back at the time, S13 was, it was it was where we were told shows, we were told the, the training and whatnot. So there's plenty of room for us to like do our warm-ups and like run about. So it was always like a run for the warm-ups, then we'd get in the ring. Uh, and that, that first session, uh, JDP had me and another fella uh, doing rolls, so front rolls, back rolls, uh, side rolls, uh, left hand, right hand, that kind of stuff, just to see, you know, if we could do them, that kind of thing. We bit of rope running, and then it was it was onto the bumps. Uh, so yeah, the the first bump, you can I, I took it and I kind of lay there and I was like, that's not too bad. And then JDP was like, that was rubbish do it again because <laughs> uh, it's all it's all about the one sound it's all about the the, the one sound if you if you hit if you hit the mat and in, in stages it just sounds absolutely rotten so it's all about getting it in one sound so it took us a couple of goes at that but you just kind of you just get conditioned to it uh, i mean I, I wouldn't say that that by now i'm the the world's greatest at bumping but you know i can i can cope with it and Again, the fact that he had us doing uh, like flare bumps off the off the top rope in the, the first session showed that he trusted us that you know we were doing it safely, kind of thing. Because he, he wouldn't have thrown us, he wouldn't have given us anything like that to do if he didn't think we were capable or comfortable enough to be doing it. Uh, and then from there, it's just you know the the training and the drills and whatnot that we do. They they're tough. They're hard going. Uh, but they do. The more you do them, the more they become second nature. You know, J JDP, the, the, the trainers that we've got at, uh, at Titanic, for example, we've got JDP, we've got Tucker, Tucker's uh, one of our trainers. We've got Rocky Starr, who was on uh, my, my podcast the other week there, and uh, Luther Valentine, who was on the first in this this learner podcast that I've been doing. And they all bring something completely different to it. So with uh, with JDP, it's all about the about sequences so it's taking your bumps in the right way working on different sequences uh, and just you know make, making sure that we're safe while we're doing it uh, Luther, Luther's classes are, are brilliant I, Luther's not one of the guys that's going to like blow you up or do that he, he rightly says you know for your conditioning and stuff that's all stuff you should be doing yourself at this level there's no need to be coming into a coming into the gym and, and getting blown up in the ring. So his stuff's very much about psychology and character and working on that kind of stuff. The reason why you're punching a guy three times instead of punching him five times, that kind of stuff. Uh, Rocky, on the other hand, Rocky is very much a blow-up guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, his favourite thing to do with is, is either a deck of cards uh, at the start of the session. 
So for anyone listening that doesn't know what that is, basically you go through a whole deck of cards. Every suit has uh, an exercise attached to it. Rocky's favourites are the black cards are squats, red cards are Hindu push-ups, and you go through the whole deck. Squats count double, so it works out as something like 100 and, is it 112 or 114 push-ups, double that in squats, and then if you get the jokers, then that's burpees, 10 burpees uh, that you do, and by the end of that, we, we do that, and then it's like, right, matches, and then you go... Uh, or it, we do a heat drill thing where basically we just like not lumps at each other in, in order. Basically, you have four matches going on or five matches going on at the one time. Uh, so that's pretty intense, but it's, it's good and it's enjoyable. Uh, and then with Tucker, Tucker's very much focused on the drills. Uh, there's a few, because Tucker's obviously been at the performance centre and, and whatnot, the stuff that he brings to the table is, is stuff that WWE are looking for. These are the things that he's done at his tryouts. These are the things that that he uh, he's brought back for us there. And you know, you can't you can't ask for more than that. You know, you when you're wanting to, you know, whatever you want to go with your wrestling career, if you're getting the the type of training and type of conditioning that's coming from the very top, then you're not gonna you're not gonna knock it back. Absolutely, well, especially Tucker, because like you say, performance center. Um, he's he's seen what they do at NXT UK and is able to bring that back. Um, I think I actually, I watched one uh, Pro Wrestling Ulster show on YouTube um, and I was always curious about the venue because it was the uh, Goes Insane uh, show. So mm-hmm. of course, I see the one. Yeah, of course I watched that one because um, I had little to do and I thought, oh, that counts as Scottish <laughs> wrestling. I'll watch that and, and review it. Uh, review in the loosest possible term. Um <laughs> But yeah, I always I was always curious about it because the, the the venue looked humongous, but they only had like I thought I thought it was like a um, W3L do a show in the ice the Fife Ice Arena, and it mm-hmm. looks humongous, but they've only got like a little square in the middle. And I'm, I'm just yeah. like, I thought that's what it was, but now now I know it's it's uh, it was the foundations for a humongous range. Now, yeah, so. it's it was a really really good venue to have, but only in the summer months and the, like. Because there was a lot of natural light could get in during the summer months, could do a lot in it. But in the winter months, it was absolutely freezing. So, for example, the, the Kevin Nash show uh, that they did, I think that was in October, November time. And they had to have, like, different generators on. They had uh, they'd big, like, industrial heaters in, in the place and stuff as well. Uh, and then over the summer, it was great. We'd, we'd had a few outdoor shows over the summer using the place because they had, like, a loading bay, an old loading bay. Uh, out the back, so we had uh, Restival, which was uh, uh, I think it's similar to the rock and wrestling thing that you that you do up north, uh, where we had bands playing between the matches. Uh, so it was really good. Uh, we also had uh, the Celtic Cup, which was an all female. Uh, it was it was the Island of Ireland's first ever all female wrestling event. The likes of Killer Kelly was over at that. Aoife Valkyrie, she was the she was the PWU Women's Champ. I think she I think she was the last PWU Women's Champ actually. Uh, like of Katie Harvey, Lauren Ladue, uh, you know some really really talented uh, women uh, came over for that. And you know we were able to have those kind of events outside in, in S13 as well. But during the winter it was awful, and we we turn up to, to training some nights and we didn't even have lights to train with. So we'd be training by the torches on our phone. <laughs> uh, 
so it was it was pretty grim at times, but it was just because we wanted to do it. You know, other other folk would have just been like, nah, if, if, if there's no lights, we'll not do it. But we made it work. I think we even found, because like the, the place, they, they had loads of different stuff going on. So there was a, 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 a theatre sword fighting class that would go on as well. So while we were wrestling at one end of the, the, the S13, there's sword fights going on over here. There was a, a half pipe in there that folk would come in and skate on. I think at Halloween, they, they brought in a few porta cabin things and made it into like a, uh, an escape room sort of thing. It was just used for like so much different stuff, but ultimately it, it wasn't it wasn't fit for purpose, you know, six months of the year then, and then it gets sold. Uh, so, so we now uh, train up the, the Falls Road, a uh, place called Blackstaff Mills. Uh, which are much, 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 much smaller, uh, smaller place, but it's 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 got working lights, so we can train on it all year. Uh, so yeah, at least yeah, it's, it's, it's at least fit for purpose, even if it's yeah. a little bit smaller. Um, so, what was like your your first match then? When when were you told? What was your thoughts going into it? And how was it? So uh, my first first proper match. So I'd, I'd done a lot of stuff, uh, like non physical stuff uh, for PWU before making my debut. So started off as being you know the 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 bellboy, like ringing the bell, uh, timekeeper, even bellboy. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's bellboy now. <laughs> bellboy. So I was doing that. Uh, then for that ICW show, I was in charge because I'm one of the older guys there. I was in charge of going to getting the, the carryouts for everybody. So I was just doing I was just doing off license runs pretty much all day uh, for Dallas and then through and uh, Jester and Shan of the day that was there. I then ended up doing on some of our like trainee shows. I was doing the the ring announcing, uh, which was pretty cool. Good, good opportunity to do that. Uh, doing ring announcing for matches with like so more than hype, like uh, LJ Cleary, Nathan Martin, Darren Kearney, all those kind of guys that have been over in ICW as well uh, from over this end of the, the woods. Uh, and then, in the so that was like all of my first year I was doing all that sort of stuff. At the, at the end of 2018, we, the PW used to do a, a New Year's Eve show called The Blitz. And again, if, if you're into like looking stuff up on YouTube. Uh, the Blitz from 2017 is on YouTube. That's really good. That's kind of one of the inspirations for me getting involved as well. Uh, but the 2018 one, I was doing commentary on it. Uh, so I was like thinking to myself, this is this is probably about as far as I'm going to get over the next week while doing commentary and stuff. And then the the next show that we had announced was uh, a Marty Jones Show. So Marty Jones was coming over, he was going to do the seminar, whatnot, and we we're going to have a, a show off the back of it. So did the seminar, everything was great. All the matches had been posted up. up. So I was just like, oh well, maybe maybe whenever the next one comes or the three before commentary tonight, we'll be doing that. So me and a couple of the, the trainees, uh, like Eli, Eli Fox, that's been on the, the Headlines podcast with me quite a bit. Uh, we had we gone away, went and got a subway, and we were sitting watching them to get set up, you know, subway. And then Andy, the promoter, comes over and he's like, "You've all got your gear." And I've got like, I'm like, "Yes, I've also got a six-inch Italian BMT in my gut right now." He's like, "You're all going to be in a, a battle royal tonight." So I was like, "Cool, cool, just downplaying it, downplaying it." But inside, I was like, "Yes, finally, finally getting it." Uh, none of us. I would say that within that battle royal, we're probably ready for that at that stage. 
as much as in our heads we probably were, realistically, we, we weren't. Uh, and the 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 Battle Royal itself, it was all of the or the majority of the trainees at PWU, and the, a lot of the uh, up and coming guys from uh, Fight Factory down in Dublin, who had a lot more experience than us. And the way that it looked like it was going to be the set up, we, we were just going to be shown up because the, the guy at that stage, and, I, you know, I, I've spoken about this with the, the guys that, that I was team with as well. Like, we were nowhere near the calibre of the Dublin guys. The Dublin guys, they, they train four or five times a week, or they were training four or five times a week down there. Uh, they had all trained at the school that, uh, that Finn Baller and Jordan Devlin had set up or had coached that and whatnot. Uh Paul Tracy, I think, was involved with that to, to begin with as well. But it's Phil Boyd and, and Katie that, that kind of run the show there now. Uh, but, the, but the guys that they were there, they were a lot younger. So the guys like Martin Steers, Klong, uh, uh, Big Rab. I don't, again, I'm saying these names as if you, was, <laughs> you would know them. You may know them, you may not. But they're all really, really young, really young, hungry guys. Uh, and it was, it was basically, it looked as if it was going to be PWU against Fight Factory in this Battle Royal. And I was kind of dreading it. And then when I went backstage and saw who was going over in the match, I was dreading it even more because it was me. <laughs> and I was like, how, how am I going to, how, how am I going to credibly, you know, at this stage, how am I credibly going to beat off guys? You know, there was guys that were like established tag teams down in, in Dublin that were in this, this, this battle royal. So I was like, okay, okay. And then, at the last minute, JDP, again, uh, he uh, he came into the, the dressing room and he's like, I'm going to come in to this rumble. Uh, I'm going to chuck every one of you out, except Chris. And I was like, oh, cool. And and then that, that's basically how it happened. Me and JDP, uh, we just basically said, like, we'll do a rock big show uh, finish. Uh, and and that's what we, we did. Uh, there's there's very little footage of most of the match. There's some pretty good footage of of, of the the finish, uh, but for the the rest of the match, we 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 all just kind of paired off with each other. And this guy Jordan Sweet uh, that, that I was paired off with, uh, I I got him in the the corner. We were working in one corner. Got him in a tee of woe that he couldn't get himself out of, so I had to batter him. And get them out of the tree of war. Again, just just working on the fly with it. It was just there was, there was good bits and bad bits to it, but the the most memorable bit was obviously uh, you know the the finish where uh, as you can tell from uh, my gimmick uh, for that, that first match I was wearing my glasses during the match as well. So the, the finish culminated in GDP taking my specs off me, uh, hit me a few digs, getting me up on his shoulder. Then we went over the ropes. And all I could think of was just hold on, just hold on to the rope as much as you can. Uh, and I did. I managed it. JDP is quite a large guy. He's 23, 24 stone. Uh, and I took all his weight coming over the top of me while holding on to the top rope as my back got the dip tinted bits on the, the apron. And then I crawled back into the, the ring and everyone was kind of cheering. And I just, in my head, the only thing that I could think of to celebrate was... You know the uh, the wrestling episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. where, where, where Frank just stands in the ring at the end after 
uh, Kevin uh, kick it in with the with the, the garbage can. I just did that, and then Andy, the promoter, decided to play Flower of Scotland uh, to to get me out of the ring. So it was it, it was good. I, I definitely wasn't ready for that. I definitely wasn't ready for going over. Uh, but I got my debut. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, get some good feedback for for people just because I think because of the, the way that we did the finish. It was the first time anybody had seen seen me. My, we, we'd had a, a seminar back in October, the year before, with Paul London. And he'd said, you know, he was giving us, like, critiques as modern wrestling. He's like, everybody just wears black. Everybody just wears black gear. Nobody stands out. So at the time, I was working for a cycling company. And I managed to get my hold of this bright blue, uh, like, cycling get-up thing. They basically like a, a singlet. Uh, so I had that, and because I'm Scottish, I managed to get some orange material that I could iron onto it. So I basically looked like a can iron brew. So I was like, that's good. That's the only, that's going to make me stand out. And I, I, again, I was trying to, I was trying to see if I could, you know, make myself the, the iron brew or the iron bruiser or something like that. Uh, at the time, I, I was trying to make that my gimmick. Uh, and then I was like, right, so this is going to stand out. So everybody kind of gravitated towards the colourfulness of it and, and whatnot. And I get, as I say, I got some good feedback off the back of it. But I, I didn't get a chance to to act on that because that was the last ever PWU show. Uh, so effectively, I helped to kill Northern Ireland's longest running wrestling promotion. What a way to finish that story. Um, so yeah, there, there, is, yeah. there is footage. I saw the footage because the first thing I came into my mind was Raw Rumble 2000, uh, the the big show uh, rock finish as soon as I saw it. And I was like, great, um, perfect. How has nobody used Iron Bruiser? How, how are we in 2021 and nobody's the Iron Bruiser? See, wait, that, that was, as I say, that was going to be um, a, a gimmick I was going to work on, but... Just I never get I never get a chance to elaborate on it. You know that that was going to be my plan. Uh, once PWU, if we'd had more shows with PWU, that was the, the persona kind of thing that I was I was wanting to to go on with and kind of be like I wanted to play it off as I might be the Scottish wrestler in Northern Ireland, but I don't want to be known about. I, I don't want to be just you know be thought of as what my nationality is. I don't want to be stereotyped to that but just play up to all the stereotypes all the way through it. So, you know, becoming in, like, drinking Iron Brew, uh, you know, have... I, I think I, I made up a playlist of potential, like, ring entrances that were all Scottish bands. Uh, you know, I, I was the only going to go into it, but just didn't ever get the chance, because uh, PWU... Well, I, I say I killed it. Really, it was, uh, it was Luther Valentine. Luther Valentine killed it. And Marty Jones. Uh, Marty Jones had a big hand in that as well. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, it was uh, it was it was a great night, absolutely great night, and I think a lot of the a lot of the established guys here in Northern Ireland they they, they still pine for PWU, they still they still pine for it, and even the guys from down south that would come up, you know, as I said, like the, the Blitz shows that they would have at New Year were always the best shows of the year, uh, and we, there was just great laughs, great laughs, great talent on on the shows. I kind of come into to PWU just as it was kind of coming to the end, because before I'd started with them, they'd had Drew. Drew had been over fighting Tucker and JDP. They did Shelton Benjamin, Matt Seidel, uh, Al Snow. 
was a, I think he was a two-time PWU champion. He came back over a couple of times to defend his championship. Uh, we had the likes of Joe Hendry coming over. Chris Denflew was the last All-Longstar champion we had. James Storm. James Storm had come over for one of the shows as well. So, you know, they were getting getting good talent coming in as well as the upcoming talent coming through and the, the homegrown stuff. But uh, I, I just kind of went awry uh, after that February. Um, so when I was doing my research, uh, I found out you are a former champion. Uh, of course, uh, the, the, the Wrestling Ireland uh, Open Challenge champion. I mean, there's a small matter. It, it was 15 seconds. But uh, so, are, are you... Are you 15 about, seconds uh, in my life. <laughs> um, there's, there's a joke I had in my head. I'll leave it. Uh, but uh, it was, it was, what was uh, your belt guy? Was, was that something that you've, you've always wanted to be a champion, even if it wasn't, even if it was just for 15 seconds? So the... The, the Open Challenge Championship with the Wrestling Island or the, the Wrestling Live as they are now is pretty much the, the 24-7 championship. It's their, their equivalent of that. So what had happened with, with the Wrestling Island, they are... Uh, I, I don't think I'm going to do Nick that runs out of this service. They're a provincial company. They're based out of... Uh, I think it's Fermanagh, County Fermanagh. I think they're, they're based in. So they, they don't run shows in Belfast. They run shows in all the kind of outlying areas in Northern Ireland, so Fermanagh, Enniskillen, uh, Londonderry, all all those kind of places. Uh, but they, for a couple of years, there was a, a festival uh, in a town called Glenarm, which is maybe about 15 minutes from where I live. Uh, they, they have this big, big outdoor festival in the Castle Grounds, and the Wrestling Live uh, had done shows at that for a couple of years. So at the time that that came about, I was doing a manager gimmick. I, I was I was Cup Cooper, uh, and I was managing a guy called Lewis Alexander. And uh, I'd, I'd got involved with, with them, uh, just you know doing bits and bobs, whether it was you know just bringing talent to their shows or turning up, uh, doing a bit of management work. But for whatever reason, Nick Nick never really saw me as being an in talent. No. I'd, I don't, I don't know what these reasons for, for that were. They just they never saw it in me. But they were doing this uh, do, doing this festival show at Dalriada Festival. And uh, I, I got my chance at it, basically. I, I, I was there just for one of the days. They did two days. I was there on Saturday. Uh, and I was involved in three matches on that. But the, the one where I won the, the belt wasn't even a match. Uh, Lewis Alexander won the belt off of PJ Stars, I think it was. And as I was managing Lewis at the time, we were very happy that, that Lewis had won it. We were, we were jumping about in the ring and I accidentally fell over on top of him. Uh, and the referee counted that as a pin because I was on him for three seconds. And I got the belt, which Lewis wasn't too happy about. So I had to relinquish the belt back to him because I, I, was his, I was his gaffer, I was his manager. So I think we So technically, I've never actually lost the the Open Challenge Championship with the Wrestling Island. I merely relinquished it to, to Lewis Alexander. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think there, there was like I think anybody that was at that show won that that day. <laughs> to be honest, the merch guy won it at one point. Uh, I think Haley, the referee, I think she won it at some point as well. But it was, it was, it was good fun. And it's, it's a nice belt as well. It's like a nice, nice bit of kit to have, and you know, it was it was a good way of winding folk up 
uh, as well to say that, that I'm a, a former champion because uh, you know I'm I'm me I, I'm just a I'm just a guy with a podcast more than I'm a wrestler these days but at least I can say that I've held a belt at some point. Totally. Uh, was it the wrestling Ireland that you had that incident with uh, a fan dressed in a Brazil flag? It was yeah. So I had I'd been on holiday in uh, Lanzarote. Uh, for for a, a week, uh, and I came back, and I'd been messaged while on holiday saying, "Look, we're doing this show in Banbridge. Do you want to come along uh, and and do a bit on it?" So again, it was strange as, as Nick had said he'd never seen me as a, an in-ring talent, but he said, "Look, you can come and you can manage uh, Lewis Alexander at this one." So uh, we went to the show in Banbridge. It was Saturday night. It was in a chapel. It was in like a like a an annex to a chapel in, in Banbridge and I think in total there was about 12 people 12 people turned up but from the very get-go there was this very loud uh, pensioner that, that was that was in the crowd she was one of the one of the dirty dozen and she was effing and jeffing the whole way through but because there was very few people there the guy running the show couldn't kick her out because <laughs> she would take like four people with him Ah. Uh, with her uh, so he had to get on the mic at various points during the night to tell her to be quiet and stuff so it gets to the, the match that we have and one of the things about the Wrestling Island is they love a gimmick match so it was this uh, tornado thing that was going on for basically I can't even remember what the rules of it were but basically there was like I think there was eight of us all eight, well nine of us including me in the match in total Six down the ring, two in the ring at any one time, whatnot. So I, I was doing my, my heel gimmick, my heel manager gimmick, uh, and I got up in the, the ring apron to, to to help Lewis out, and I just felt this tug on my, my trousers. Now, because there were so many other guys outside the ring, I was thinking it was, you know, maybe Mitch Baxter or Pyro or Manny Linguado, whoever it was, and I turned around and it was this woman that had been shouting... And effing and Jeff and all night, she was like tugging me off the, the, the side of the ring. And it was like, it was a good job that I'd looked down because I could have like kicked her, I could have like, you know, dropped down, whatever, I could have done anything to her. But she just would not think it. But she was stopping me from getting to the next spot in the match. So eventually we managed to get to it. And I was like, I was a bit close. I was a bit close. And then at the, at the finish of the match, I was involved again, you know. Uh, Try to do a wee bit of distraction stuff again on the apron. And I get super kicked off the apron, took my bump. And as I took my bump, this woman just started running for me. She, she was coming at me. And I was like, I, I don't know what to do. But luckily enough, luckily enough, the, one of the women that she, she was with managed to like deal her back in. But what I, what I didn't realise was until after the match came back, Hayley, who, who was left, and she was like, you know that you were like a foot away from landing on that woman when you took the bump. I hadn't realised she was pretty much right behind me at the time that I took the super kick. It just abs like no, I, I suppose the way I look at it was I was doing my job right. You know, I was getting a reaction mm-hmm. off the woman. I, I, I'd managed to work up to that point, but uh, it was it was pretty daft. And then she ended up getting huckled out of the venue like just before the final match uh, because she tried to steal one of the masks that one of the, the wrestlers was wearing. Uh, he'd, he'd been demasked in the match or something, and she picked it up and just tried to leave, but she ended up 
having to get this old by, by someone in the merch stand uh, so they could get it back. But aye, it was, uh, it was, it was quite the experience for, for my first time in management. So, well, she had a fun night then. Um, yep. So I kind of brought it up because, again, I'm, I'm doing my research as a, any good person who pretends to be a journalist does. And, and to be honest, there's not an awful lot of research that you can do because I've not had an awful lot of matches. Yeah, I've got uh, half the pages of notes here. I, I, got, I did enough. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got big writing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I bring that one up because there was another person in that match and... Uh, not that we have much in common, but we're both listeners to the Wrestling Daft podcast. Yes. And, of course, there's a man that match that they love, that we all love, his name being Bingo Balance. Bingo Balance, yes. Um, I, I don't know how much you were involved getting him on that show, but I know that uh, John messaged me, uh, going, do you know anyone that'll know how to get Bingo Balance? And I was like, <laughs> he works at WrestleZone Wrestles when he's over here. Contact them. That's the best place to yeah. go. <laughs> um, and I was so excited. When, when they appeared in the Christmas show. Spoilers to anyone who's still catching up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you've made a couple of appearances on Wrestling Daft. Um, so mm-hmm. this this leads us into talking about your more podcasts and stuff. But before I do that, your first show was Kelvin Brawl, which is yes. a huge show to be your first. Um, it's, yeah. It's quite a big one, uh, so to speak. So what was it like being at Kelvin Brawl? I, it was amazing. I was actually I was looking through an old laptop the other week there, uh, in prep for for hitting the headlines, uh, and I found all the the photographs from uh, I think it was an HTC One at the time because I've got always I, I used to work in a phone shop, so I'm meticulous with like saving my stuff under you know whatever phone I had at the time. Uh, but it was my my good lady wife. Uh, she had got the tickets uh, for me, I think, for my birthday or or something. Because uh, we, we were both massive Burniston fans more than anything. Uh, massive Burniston fans and obviously still game as well. So that, that kind of catered to, to my wife's side of things. Whereas, you know, I was I was quite into the wrestling and whatnot. Uh, and we tried to get tickets for uh, All In War, but couldn't get them. We, by the time we, we get into it, we, we'd missed out on it. And it was at the time, I think it was, that must have been there about the time that the 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 insane fight club stuff had been on as well because I had surprised my missus with tickets to a show that Gradle was was on. It's like oh this will be brilliant, but it was like one of the pavilion shows, and it was me and my missus and just kids, <laughs> just, just kids and their parents at it, and me and my missus just eating magnums in the middle of the pavilion watching, uh, you know, uh, Davy Blaze hot off his. Uh, me out stint. Uh, he was on. I think he pulled double duty that night. He was a he was a lucha wrestler as well as, as being himself on it. But eventually we managed to get to to a, a, a proper show as such in the Kelvin Brawl, and it, it was fantastic. It was uh, absolutely amazing. Just it, it it reignited my passion for wrestling because as, as I've said before, you know, I'd SummerSlam '90 started it for me. I dipped in and out with attitude either and whatnot. Uh, and then I kind of fell back into it when I was at uni uh, and, and stuff and then fell out of it again. But when there was that crossover uh, with, with Burniston and, and Still Game and whatnot, I was like, I need to check this out. I need to see what the scene is, is like. Uh, and we were, we were front row for it. So just the whole spectacle of it as well was was on the old uh, Wolfgang coming out on his bike. You know, that, that, that blew my mind. That blew my mind. 
seen seen something with that kind of production level uh, on on what I thought was such a small scale. But looking back on it now, it is probably one of the most iconic nights in Scottish wrestling. Uh, and then you know with Frankie Boyle doing the the run in at the end and, and whatnot, it was it was just a really special night. Uh, I didn't realise Chris Toll was involved with with the wrestling either. I would see him every day walking through Central Station uh, when I was going to my work because uh, he's, he's he's quite a hard guy to miss. And then he, all of a sudden he's popping up uh, next to Greg Hempel in the middle of a wrestling night. I'm like, I know that guy. I know that guy. And I think that that's what it that's what it kind of where it kind of hit me is it's just it's regular guys in Scotland, you know, that at the time, you know, they, they would have had day jobs, they would have been at uni, they'd have been doing this, they'd have been doing that. But on the weekends or in the, the special nights, they would be going out there and performing and, and putting on shows of, of that kind of calibre. Uh, I think, like, Kenny Williams, he, he was in some of the matches that night. Uh, they had uh, Noam Darvey Lineheart, I think, on, on that as well. Uh, there was a, a bit uh, where uh, Noam did a suicide dive at the ring, but Lionheart was at the other side. He just completely get get mixed up with where he was. And everything was like, you effed up, you effed up. And I was like, this is proper wrestling. This is this feels like a, like a WWE kind of thing. Uh, but unfortunately, after that, I never got a chance to get to another ICW show uh, off the back of that, because a few months later, we moved over here to Belfast. Uh, but since then, uh, ICW did a couple of shows over here. They obviously did the PWU one. They did one of their own at Mandela Hall. Uh, and there's always been that affinity for, for ICW and Scottish wrestling that I've had since I've got into it. Uh, and again, like not, not that I'm saying that I'm ever going to make it back over the water to, to wrestle for, for ICW. Or that. that's, that's It's a pipe dream at the, at the very most. But I think it is... It just that that's that was one of the, the kind of sparks for me to, to get involved with it a lot more than than just being a passive fan. Um, I, I don't know about you, but it was I when I spoke to when I was on Wrestling Daft for my, a very brief run in. I, I, was, I think I was the pilot for the run in um, because I somehow was on it, and then after about two weeks later, they did the run in segment. And uh, I mean, I, I barely watched Bernston. I watched it all when it was on Netflix and that was bad. It wasn't like, mm. oh my God, Bernston. But even I was like, holy, I'm speaking to Grado and Rob Florence here. These are actual people yeah. that are that are uh, actually a big deal in Scotland. <laughs> it's a very weird experience. <laughs> um, so from that, when did Hitting the Headlines start then? Uh, were you doing interviews with WWE stars for uh, Mirror and, and, and Belfast Live or was that kind of all at the same time? Yeah, so the so the interviews I've been doing the interviews for for about a year, I think. Basically, from pretty much from that Tucker interview and to starting training with PWU and all, all the first few shows that I was involved in, that that was basically my my reason. Uh, the, I, I feel anyway it was the reason that they kept me around <laughs> uh, after the initial eight weeks because they had that free association with the press essentially uh, so I was doing the interviews so over, over the course of that first year I had interviewed Tucker uh, I had interviewed Chris Jericho because Fozzie had been touring so I managed to get an interview with him and I, I balls that up something not in uh, again on what you can hear it on one of the, the, the older episodes of Hitting the Headlines I put, I put that out uh, last year 
I offended him something rotten by trying to make a joke. <laughs> it just did not land at all. Um, and the, off the back of that, whenever WWE were coming to uh, to, to Belfast, I would get interviews. So I've interviewed the likes of Samoa Joe, uh, Finn Balor, Sheamus. I interviewed Sheamus from the back of my 2001 Ford Focus uh, in a car park on the outskirts of Belfast, uh, just just phoning him up. Uh, likewise with Finn Balor, uh, some more Joe that was at the Odyssey, that was at the the, the venue. Uh, I interviewed Alexa Bliss in a hotel room, which was was pretty sweet. She was lovely. She was an absolute doll to speak to. Again, almost offended her by accident, and that's that's where. The, but by doing those things by accident, that's what kind of paved the way for the the way that hitting the headlines has been going recently. Because that, that, when I first started doing the, the podcast, and I still maintain to this day, even regardless of you know any any feedback I've got, being just basically a chance for me to get myself over. The reason that I do the podcast is to help the the guys and, and girls at Titanic Wrestling and PW at the time and whoever else was coming on to help them try and develop a bit of their character as well. Because we, we, I think with, with a lot of the guys, and I, again, I, I don't know what your opinion is on it, Billy, but with the, with the likes of ICW, for example, there's guys on there that maybe, there's guys in ICW that you look at and you're like, yes, he's a wrestler. And there's other guys that you look at and you're like, I wouldn't be able to tell he's a wrestler if I saw him in the street kind of thing. But obviously they are. And it's, it's wrestling has become that all-encompassing thing that, that anybody that's willing to do it can do it. You don't you don't need to be a Batista or a Lex Luger or, or a Hulk Hogan to be a wrestler, as long as you can bring something to the table with it. And I think that's probably the same in any training school. Uh, and, and with PWU, we've got guys that are physically... We've got physical specimens, like obviously we've got Tucker. There's a lad uh, who I think is going to be our sort of biggest star uh, called Jordy Boy. You know, that looks these guys look like wrestlers. James Toner as well. He's another one of our guys that's absolutely built. And then you've got guys like me that, to, to coin Grado, uh, look like a bag of milk. Uh, and you've got guys that are kind of in between and stuff. So I think being able to have a character, if, if I mean, certainly, you know, Obviously, everybody needs a character, but the guys that are maybe less muscular, less of that, that kind of thing, having strong characters is something that's going to help them. So I was thinking, if I can do this podcast, get some of the up-and-coming talent on, gives them a chance to develop character, that kind of thing. Uh, and that, that had always been the, the case of it. But when I first started doing it, I, I didn't want it to just be, again, no disrespect to you, Billy, I didn't want it just to be a, an interview podcast. I wanted it to be something... That was a wee bit different, so that's why I incorporated the the headline stuff into it, uh, and that's why I incorporated the character work and try to put a wee angle or a wee story into every every, uh, every episode. Uh, so the first the first the first lot that I done, I managed to do that quite well. Then I stopped doing it because PWU went down the toilet. Then I kind of brought it back when Titanic started up, uh, but I got I wouldn't say I got a bit of heat for it. But there was definitely people that were questioning why I would be doing it. You know, who am I? You know, I'm some Scotsman that's got no ties to the past of Northern Irish wrestling. You know, I'm not the person that would be doing this. But I was like, you know what? Nobody else is doing it, so why not? 
And again, it's an opportunity for me to build my character. It's an opportunity for other people to come on and build their character as well. So I stopped doing it for then. And then last year, I'd done it. So that, this must be like season season four, from if, if I'm, if I'm breaking down the seasons that we're on now. Last year's one was going great. I, was, uh, I, I wasn't doing any of the, the character work on it. It was more kind of straightforward interviews. It was when lockdown started as well. So I was getting maybe like three or four of the guys on. We were having quizzes. We were doing, there was kind of a, a different format to it. And then Speaking Out happened. And it kind of, it, it, it wasn't fun to be doing it. It really wasn't fun to be doing it then because people didn't want to be coming on. People that had had booked to come on or that had been looking to get on, that kind of changed. Uh, so I was just like, I just adapted it for then. And then when we get put into lockdown again at the start of this year, I was like, I'm just going to bring it back, but I'm going to do it in a way that I can sort of build stuff towards with the hope that by the time we get back to shows, the guys that are going to be on those shows, I've had a chance to, you know, flick to leave it on the podcast, get their names out there again. And I don't, don't get me wrong, I'm under no illusions that, you know, I have, I'm a very niche audience. Even in Northern Ireland, it's a very niche audience. I'm happy as Larry with the amount of listens that I'm getting and the views that we're getting on YouTube with it. And I think that it is, the, it is doing well enough that people are engaging with it and uh, we're you know, getting a, a decent number every week, or decent enough for, for me anyway. But more, most importantly, it's getting a bit of air time for the guys that are going to be at the forefront of the scene by the time we get back to doing shows. Because uh, I think because it's been so long since we've had any, people are going to need a refresher on who people are, of you know, who guys are, what their gimmicks are, what their characters are, that kind of thing. And, and through the podcast, I'm hoping that I've been able to give people that kind of platform uh, to, to show off. Like, for example, Bobby Diamond last week. Bobby's character's not really changed much in the, in the time that I've known him. But the one thing you can say about him is that he has a character. And just maybe even giving people that wee reminder of, of how much of a bitch he can be sometimes or, or how catty he is. You know, it's the podcast given, given a wee platform for that. Um, I mean, I, I know you're saying no disrespect to me. I'm just, I, I have no idea what I'm doing still what, at this point. <laughs> and uh, the, when this one goes out, it will be uh, 54th episode I've recorded. Mm. I don't know how I've gotten this far, to be honest. I, but, I'm, um, I'm the same. <laughs> I, I'm exactly the same. It's, it's such a, podcasting is such a weird thing. Like, it's as I said earlier on. At this stage in my wrestling career, I am a podcaster, <laughs> uh, and it's it's just such a weird thing. And how it's so deeply entrenched in wrestling, like pod, like there's so many different wrestling podcasts, and it is like for me anyway. It is all about you know making it different, giving it giving it an angle, giving it something that that no one else is is doing on there, and you know from listening to. I was listening to, in fact, Tucker was on, was on a podcast over the weekend and I was listening to that. And, you know, it's, it's great getting that kind of insight into, uh, into you know, wrestlers' backstories and, and whatnot. But there's so many of them that are like that, that, again, it's just 
it's just my, my, my podcast is just basically to kind of cut through that. If, if pe- people are warned well enough about it that, you know, it is a bit of a, a Mickey take at some points, you know, there is a bit of humour in it, there is a bit of lightness in it, as opposed to, you know, just straightforward interviews, then it's, you know, it's it's something that, that I enjoy doing. And it, it means I can put a wee, bit of, a wee bit of work into it as well, you know, trying to figure out what direction to take it in all that sort of stuff. So it's something that I've really enjoyed doing. It's something that I've tried in the past to get podcasts up and running, whether that's been football, ice hockey, whatever. But this has probably been the, the most well-received one uh, of the lot of them. Uh, and yeah, for ones I've listened to anyway, it's certainly, a, a, it's, a, it's a hybrid. That's, that's pretty much what it is. It's the, it's it's kayfabe, yeah. but it's not kayfabe, but it is at the same time. Um, but I get that because obviously... Uh, my podcast is speaking to Scottish wrestlers, which is a niche in itself. And yeah. I think a lot of people don't realise, I mean, for me, when I'm working or that, I can't watch video. I should be watching videos. I don't watch videos. Uh, I don't watch videos during <laughs> while working, but I listen to podcasts. So if I get mm-hmm. an a audio medium, then I can learn about these characters and shows only happen. They might only wrestle once a month. So what's happening during that month? Well, at least I know, well, they do this, they do that. Um, mine did start as just straight up wrestling chat, half an hour, we'll speak about your wrestling career. And now it's gotten to the point where we'll speak about wrestling, but if I find something that I can spin off and speak about anything but, it, it, was, it took me a lot of effort not to go into Power Rangers when you mentioned them right near the start. Um, I thought, <laughs> no, I've got other notes I want to get to first before I probably end up going back to Power Rangers. Bobby Diamond, Bobby Diamond would be the guy to talk to about Power Rangers. He, he's still obsessed with it. But I think it's more of a... See, I, I was obsessed when I was like nine, ten. Not so much, much now. But but, but Bobby, he's he's still firmly entrenched in it. He's still still a, a big big fan. Oh, I gave up after like the third iteration of Power Rangers, but um, I have spoken to guys like Brand uh, Alistair. I keep forgetting his new name, Alistair Adams, uh, and uh, Jetstream Jack, and they're just obsessed with it. And it was, uh, <laughs> but yeah, best Power Ranger obviously is Tommy, but everyone's got their their yeah. favourites. Jason was mine. Uh, even though you think it would be the Blue Ranger because he was Billy, um, but no, it was Jason was the best one. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just finding that that niche. I mean, when you when I was looking for people to to have on our network, uh, just because I thought I just want to give opportunities. <laughs> I sound really big bo- big headed here, big box, big headed. I go, I want to give people opportunities, but I just wanted people to to hear other voices. And when you yeah. said, "Oh, can can." Are you interested in putting hitting the headlines on? I was like, yeah. And not just because, oh, it's Northern Irish wrestling, it's just these new voices, but the fact that you're a Scottish voice as well, it was a no-brainer that I wanted a Scottish voice yeah. and they've got their their uh, their, their own thing as well. And uh, I mean, I've, I've learned things and um, just as a, as a behind the, the curtain, the, the little bit that I did for, for yours, which will be like a month before yes. it actually goes out, I did that in one take and I was so happy with it. And then the same day, I was asked to do a, a little like thirty-second video intro for a, a podcast. It took me six takes because I had to keep looking at myself and got really self-conscious. But the audio one, I was just like, right, give me the bullet points, done. So I could be I could be yeah. a, an arsehole in audio form, but if I'm doing it visually, it's a very terrifying experience. Um, yeah, but- and I'm, I'm I'm grateful that that you did that as well because it, it definitely added to it, and it, it's kind of given me this this story arc for the for the next few weeks uh, on the podcast. It's uh, 
I d- again, I, I, I was thinking of ways that I could challenge myself with the podcast as well, because I was really surprised when I was starting to look at the stats on it. Uh, I was really surprised at where I was getting the listens from. You know, I, again, I don't know if it's because of, of my age or whatnot, or because, because media took a massive change after I got my degree in media. No, I'm not too, you know, savvy with everything that goes on in it. But the YouTube, YouTube seems to be where I'm getting the most views or, or listens or whatnot. And I never expected that that would be the case because I, I didn't think people would, you know, when I think a podcast is something that I listen to when I'm doing the dishes, when I'm going out for the run, when I'm, I'm doing my work, that kind of thing. I didn't think that YouTube would be the same for, would, would be anything. I just thought, you know, I've got the video there from doing the recordings and Zoom, I might as well do something with them. But YouTube's been, YouTube's been the, the the big thing for it. And again, since since the the ill-fated podcast with, with Rocky Star that, that took a, a turn at the end, the views have been consistent on there, uh, which which has been great. And the fact that now being on SWN as canon and the storyline of it, I I think I think that's helping a lot as well because because there is that jeopardy. There's that jeopardy that I, that I don't get kept on. Yeah, I'm in this like weird position where I'm like the Vince McMahon on yours. Uh, again, yeah. not big headed <laughs> at all. Uh, but like in my canon, I'm nice. So I'm like, it's like, uh, what was it? It was it when Vince and that were doing Memphis. They had the feud in Memphis, but they were the faces mm. there, but they're the heels or vice versa. It's just like uh, everyone listens to yours thinking, oh, this guy's a bit of a dick. And also to mine, I'm going, what's your favorite dinosaur? <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just a very weird uh, thing. I, I love doing it. I, yeah, if that's close, I'm going to get to do a wrestling storyline. I will take it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, speaking of that stupid question, uh, what is your favourite dinosaur? Uh, I was discussing dinosaurs with my daughter the other day. She's she's five years old, uh, and she was telling me all the dinosaurs that she knows, which topped out at uh, Diplodocus. So, T Rex, Stegosaurus, and Diplodocus. Uh, I don't think it's till primary three that they start doing dinosaurs properly at school. Uh, for me. I, I don't know. I, I think relating it back to wrestling. So obviously, when, when we was again going back to some something as well, Hogan and Warrior were the big draws. There, they were the the T Rex and the the Velociraptors of it there. But then you have like Mister Perfect and Texas Tornado being my favourite match in that. So the Allosaurus, the Allosaurus is kind of somewhere where it's not quite as big. As the T Rex, it doesn't get the it, it, excuse the point. It doesn't get the headlines that the T Rex gets. But the Allosaurus, it's just as vicious, just a wee bit smaller. It's the kind of the workhorse. It's having to work to get its reputation. Uh, so I'd say Allosaurus would be be that, or uh, the the Dilophosaurus in uh, Jurassic Park. That made me shit the bed. So that that'll be my one. That's, that's uh, the one. When I was me. <laughs> Uh, when 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 I was uh, when I was wee, that that thing freaked me out. I was like, I, I loved it and I hated it at the same time because it, it looked so cute when you know Dennis Nedry's, you know, mucking about, falling over himself, spilling all the the whatever it was he had in the the cans, and he's like, oh, and then it's like, ah, and like, nope, nope, that's nightmares. That's the stuff of nightmares. Say for 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 that particular dinosaur. Uh... It's always forever be ruined by Ross from French doing the voice, what he th- thinks they'd sound like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
favourite answer, I'll, I'll tell everyone knows this, if they've been listening to this in canon, is still Turkey Dinosaur. That's the best one. Uh, Luchasaurus is also quite high up there. But for anyone listening and is going to get this question asked in the future, nobody has said the dinosaur that JBL fights when he's tranquilized. And that's a high that's a high scoring answer in my in my brain. So just saying. Uh, the other oh, question that we have is uh, what would win in a fight, two sheep or one cow? Who would win in a fight? Yeah. So uh, two 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 sheep fight and one cow. Yeah. Uh, so handicap match those. Is the cow the face of the heel? Uh, I will leave that to your own interpretation. Uh, if it's a, the... it's a cow. Cows are usually heels, aren't they? I don't know. Like sheep can be, but uh, know, but you don't go to someone. Oh, they're quite a nice, a nice cow. No, it's just. <laughs> I, I get. I, I've I've been inside a cow. I, I've been clangus. Oh, so I've got that. Oh, so you uh, have yes. <laughs> what a so was going there. Funny. Yeah, no, no, not like that. Again, there's there's a bit in Freddy get fingered that's very similar to that as well. Uh, when he, uh, but yeah, I think the the cow would probably win. No, if if I'm looking at it, if if we're going Highland cow, if we're going Highland cow, uh, and normal size sheep, you're looking at big show B two jobbers in that regard, and just gonna just gonna yeah, uh, just gonna swat them about, you know. Aye, cow, cow for me, cow for me. Say you're the second, you're only the second person to bring up a Highland cow. Uh, Molly was was last week's episode or whatever we are at this stage, um, and she said if it's a Highland cow, they're winning. So that seems to be a new wrinkle in this this question. But um, See, the thing with that is, she's a big Five Five Flyers fan, uh, who are the the sworn enemies of Glasgow clan and said Clangus. So that's. That's interesting that she would she would go for the Highland Cow when it probably goes against everything she believes in to do so. Well, it must have been a couple of knocks in that cage that it just went, <laughs> oh, maybe I quite, quite like them after all. Uh, right, so what have you been doing during lockdown then? You've done the Hitting the Headline podcast. Are you watching anything? Uh, is there anything that's keeping you active? Uh, gym uh, activities, so, whatever. Well, last year, in, in the first, first lockdown last year, that was all about doing the home workouts and stuff. Uh, and to an extent they worked they were keeping me active uh, but I just after after the while I think I, I did them from like May, from April to August I was doing home workouts pretty much every day saw a bit of, a bit of improvement put on some muscle mass which was always good uh, and then my work my, my real life work got really busy uh, then about August time didn't have the same amount of time to commit to the, the home workouts and stuff and I just started eating and eating, and eating. put on uh, the the weight that I'd put on in a good way got sacrificed for getting put on in a bad way. Uh, so I ballooned up to, to a fat 15 stone. Uh, so since uh, the turn of the year, I've been on a diet using the horrifically named Pinch of Norm recipe books. Uh, and I've managed, I've managed to get down to 13 stone nine. So that's been my kind of focus uh, for getting back to to being ring fit. Like this is like by the time we, as long as I don't have a relapse and just get stuck into the whisper golds again, uh, by the time we get back to, to being in the ring, it'll be the lightest I've ever been as a wrestler, which will be good because it means I can stop sandbagging folk. Um, 
But yeah, uh, that's been the, the focus this year, just uh, developing a bit of weight. I've been homeschooling uh, with my wee one. I've been, uh, I've not been as busy as I would have liked to have been with my, my own work. Uh, just before I started my, my current job, just I think it was eight weeks before lockdown kicked in last year. So I've been lucky enough that I've been able to do, do all of that from home. Uh, but yeah, it just, just existing really <laughs> just been existing uh, really missing uh, Scotland usually I would get back home to Scotland maybe once every couple of months or Scotland would come to me every couple of months uh, but it's now over a year since I've been home uh, missing that terribly uh, missing my mum my and my, my family and my cousins and my cousins dogs missing seeing my mates uh, missing getting over for football wrestling shows I'd planned to try and get back over for some ICW stuff uh, last year if it was going to be on but that's never happened I was trying to organise so a couple of years back for my, my cousin Stag uh, I had hooked up with, uh, with Red Lightning uh, about doing a, a day at the, the asylum as the, the Stag do uh, getting a lot of the guys that have never been in a wrestling ring to go in and do drills and and promos and stuff and it was it was great it was absolutely great and just before lockdown last year I'd, I'd been in touch with 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 Udo in regards to maybe getting some of our boys to go over there for a for the training weekend or something uh, but obviously we've never been able to make that happen uh, because of lockdown uh, in terms of things I've been watching uh, get right into watching AEW uh, I've I've really enjoyed having something to look forward to weekly, or I was until the, the streaming service that may or may not be illegal. I was using to watch it, stopped putting it on. Uh, so I've had to I've had to invest in Fight Network over the, the last couple of weeks uh, to, to remedy that. Uh, and it's, I I've been listening to a lot of Jim Cornette as well, which is probably not a great thing. And it is kind of, it's kind of shaping my view on certain things in, in AEW, but again, you, you need to look at it with your own eyes as well as that of a of a, of a grumpy man in his 60s. Uh, but I, I, do, I do enjoy it for the most part. There's, there's a lot that I can tune out. Uh, I've, I've been quite vocal on my podcast in the past saying that I don't, and again, no, I think it's got better over the last week while, but I don't think at the time that they started in television that the women's division was ready to be in television. Uh but they've certainly, you know, with, with everything that went on in the previous week, to what they call them, with, with Britt Baker and uh, Thunder Rosa, they've really kind of upped everything on that. Uh, I thought that was a phenomenal bit of television, not just a, not just a phenomenal bit of wrestling, but a phenomenal bit of TV last week with that un, unsanctioned match. Uh, they all enjoyed watching that and, and seeing what they put them through. Uh, the the powerbomb and the thumbtacks actually, like, winced so hard that I fell off my couch watching it. It just looked because as when you're a when you're a guy and you're watching men get powerbombed or getting powerbombed yourself, you know that you're at, you're at least six foot maybe higher off the ground when you're coming down. So you've got time to prep for that bump, whether it's on thumbtacks or not. But because uh those are so short there's not a lot of distance for Britt Baker to travel. And that, so you, you know that she's getting all that impact, you know, so quickly. I was just like, oh, brutal, absolutely brutal. 
but it, it was again, and I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of you know death matches, hardcore matches, that kind of thing. But that was it, it was sublime watching that. I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, but I, I think one of the things that lockdowns allowed me to do as well is I've been able to watch pretty much every pay per view that's been on and not have to worry about you know being knackered and getting up to Belfast in the morning. Uh, I've been able to you know just go for it. And after we record this, I'm looking forward to watching Fast Lane. Uh, because it starts before midnight. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be up till yeah, five so o'clock tomorrow morning. So excited for that in itself. Are you Thunderdoming? Uh, I'm not Thunderdoming for that. I've only done that the once. I did, I did that <laughs> I did that stupidly the night before my, my wee girl's fifth birthday and I was like a zombie the next day for the party. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm doing for that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a strange experience. Again, I, I think I talked about that in the one of the wrestling dafts that I was on. Uh it's just, you're basically just selling. You're, you're selling for the whole two hours of the show because you're having to react to everything that's going on as if you are actually there. It's it's a strange experience watching it. I know, I'm still, I've been, I've booted out now three times and because uh, I, I, I did quite a few of them. I only missed like two pay-per-views last year on the Thunderdome. Um, yeah, I got booted out for, for booing Sasha Banks. Had to be because I booed her then I got booted. <laughs> uh, and uh, I got booted just just after Drew lost to Randy Orton, because I swore mm. really loudly, and I think that's what got me booted. <laughs> and then the last one I got booted out because I had a massive logo on my t-shirt for super kicks. Uh, so I think they, they finally just went, is he just wearing a big logo on his t-shirt? And I was gone. <laughs> I was out. So um, yeah, it's an experience, but pretty much, yeah, you're just told. Although they, I think they're still not getting it. If They need to tell us what to do if we want to stay in, because they just go, um, oh, what do you think of Sasha Banks? Well, I find her particularly annoying, so I'm going to boo her. No, that's not the answer we're looking for. You yeah. have to cheer her. <laughs> that is the point. Like, no, it's like, just just tell me. Cheer Sasha Banks. I will cheer Sasha Banks. It's not that difficult. Um, I found it really jarring uh, watching NXT UK last week. Like, I don't, I don't often dip into it, uh, but I, I've been intrigued by this uh, Trent Seven storyline. I think it's because he's been trying to drop weight at the same time I've been trying to drop weight. So I think that's where it kicked in. But I, I put it on, and they've got they've got like people from the Thunderdome on the the walls at the BT Studios for the NXT UK. But they're clearly not for NXT UK because you don't get the email saying do you want to be in Thunderdome for the NXT UK. So it must just be a, like a load of recorded faces that they're that they're. Uh, Playing about with to, to make the crowd in there, but just it, it just seemed bizarre to think that they've got that crowd of people that have probably been watching, you know, Apollo Crews and Big E from SmackDown the week before, watching uh, Miko Samura and uh, I forget what whatever it was that was on last week. You know, it's just the, the actions from a completely different match. Uh, well, well, so so I may have appeared on. On NXT UK, for all I know, so that's that's yep. interesting. Same with NXT. NXT had their, they still got their screens, but you don't get an email. So I assume again, it's yeah. just reused, reused footage, um, which is weird. Uh, so back to just back to your podcast. I know I've, I've now got you for an hour and a half, so we'll we'll, we'll try it. I'm not. Everyone tries to get a new tactical nap in or try to before <laughs> a, a wrestling pay per view. So um, I'll ask a couple more questions and then we'll, I'll let you just to more more so for me to get a nap. 
I'm totally I'm totally on board with that. My fear is that I miss the first hour because I'm I'm that used to like setting an alarm for midnight instead of eleven. Yeah, that's that's fine then. Um, so as far as your interviews, like I say, I'm so glad that you said Alexa Bliss is nice because. I want her to be nice because she's like my absolute favourite. Not just because she's very pretty, but she's a very good wrestler and she's such a Disney nerd that mm. I love hearing her on podcasts speak about Disney and uh, her passions for things like NSYNC and all that kind of stuff. She just sounds like an absolute blast. Um, but what's been your favourite of of your interviews, uh, with, even with big names like Samoa Joe or Finn Balor or with um, not so big names, but ones that are coming up like Eli Fox and and uh, Bobby Diamond. Yeah, I well it's, it's weird with the with the local guys because I was saying to my wife the other week there that uh, when I was having uh, Diamond Craig DL on like Craig is uh, a longtime friend of mine from uni. Uh, we shared a flat in Deniston uh, back in two thousand and five and we, we started writing a a sitcom based on wrestling without having any knowledge of the wrestling industry at all. Uh, and it was great having him back on. And I was saying to my, my wife, that it's, it's a shame that the most I've spoken to him at length since last year has been through the podcast. You know, it's almost as if I'm having to fabricate reasons to speak to my mates. Because <laughs> uh, that, that's pretty much the only way, the only way that I've really uh, connected with guys for wrestling over the last year is through the podcast. Because it's, it's very hard to, it's very hard to, to make, to have conversations at training when you are punching each other, kicking each other, suplexing each other, it's very hard to get a proper conversation with people. At least I find it, find it to be quite hard. And again, as a, as a, a 35-year-old male, it's quite hard to make new friends like oh, yeah. in any situation, uh, and especially you know being in a, a, a foreign country, so to speak. Uh, it's, it's quite difficult, but the podcast allowed me to do that. So any, any opportunity that I've had to speak to, to any of the guys... Uh, from Titanic has been has been great. So those interviews are, are, have been been nice to do. But in terms of like proper, you know, uh, interviews with with big names, the as as much as I was kicking myself after the Jericho one. Like Jer- Jericho is my my all time favorite. Like he's my, and I, I think it's because like this is going to sound really strange. I've got a lot of parallels with him in terms of he wrestles, I kind of wrestle. He's in a band. I was in a band for a good number of years uh, back in the day. He does a podcast. I do a podcast. We've got a lot of, you know, we've got a lot of things in it that, that, that we enjoy together. So when the opportunity came to interview him, I, I, I wasn't allowed to talk to him about wrestling. That was that was the kicker on it. I wasn't because he was on Fozzy duty. I wasn't allowed to uh, to talk to him about wrestling. And the the day it was a Tuesday that I interviewed him. He was playing in Belfast on the Sunday. So I, I, I went to the show on the Sunday, uh, which was was really bizarre uh, as well. Uh, it was a really odd show. Uh, but the I'd done that, but I was told that I couldn't speak to him about the wrestling. But the the week before I was speaking to him was when he started his Twitter stuff with Kenny Omega. So I was like, I really want to ask a question about that. But because I made uh, a bollocks of a bit of the interview, he kind of hurried me off the end of it. And I didn't get a chance to mention anything about the Kenny Omega stuff. So he had the show in Belfast on the Sunday. And the week later, 
he showed up at the or his uh, his video thing showed up at the Tokyo Dome. And I was like, I had him at the perfect point to talk to him about the biggest thing that his career would do, like this decade. And I couldn't talk to him about it, and I balled up. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's probably been my my favourite one. And for for whatever reason, when I was doing the, the interview with him, he he gave me like he phoned me from his own actual proper phone number, and didn't hide it. He didn't block it. So I had I had I had Y two J saved in my phone for the longest time, and I was like. This is a lot of responsibility for me <laughs> not to to do this, and I and I was like, because I, I I looked up the the area code that was on it, and it was you know like Tampa, Florida, whatever it was he was staying. And I was like, that's his actual number. That's that's his proper number. So the Tokyo Dome match with Kenny Omega, it got to that, and I don't know what possessed me. I just, I fired them off a text. And I was like, that was brilliant. Well done on your match. Just just thinking, you know, the number would be disconnected. And he texts me back saying, thanks very much, dude. Thanks for the support. And I was like, this is, this is mental. I, I now have a link. Uh, but he's since changed his number because he's never responded to anything else that I've since. How I, I know. Um, but I've, 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 uh, I've, I've got a couple of, I've got a few fairly big names, I'm not, not to boast or anything like that, but I've got a few fairly big names from doing the, the work that I've, I've been doing in my, my phone book uh, and uh, because of the, the challenge that you laid down to me to get the 300 listeners uh, by WrestleMania week, I thought I'll see if there's any of those big guns that I can pull up so I fired off a couple of text messages and one of them uh, sent me a very lovely voice note back to say that he'd be very interested and I was messaging with him earlier on today to get that organised. So in the next couple of weeks, there will be a... There will be a, a former WWE Tag Team Champion uh, that will be making its way onto the SWN as long as we can get the uh, the time difference sorted and as long as he's not too too high to facilitate it. So, <laughs> So for those that are listening to on the Patreon, that's a big, big tease because uh, this is supposed to come out mm-hmm. May twenty eighth, and the challenge will be over by then. So the challenge, the challenge will be done by then. Yeah, so we're hoping uh, that uh, that it all works out and uh, it'll be. And I'd, I'd say as well that that, the, that this person that, that's going to be on, uh, my my previous encounters with them is probably my favourite thing that's happened to me being involved in the world of Northern Irish wrestling as well. Uh, it's it was and I'll probably go into a lot of detail on that in the podcast that I do with them. So if you're listening now, go back to WrestleMania week and listen to Hitting the Headlines and then to find out what the hell I'm actually talking about. I think that's the perfect way to kind of wrap this up then uh, that little teaser. Uh, so where can people find you on social media? Uh, so, uh, if you're looking for the headline maker, Kirk Cooper, it's at Kirk Cooper HM uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Again, just like I was kind of flummoxed as to YouTube getting me higher views, I tend to get a lot more engagement over on Instagram than I do on Twitter uh, with my, my wrestling stuff, which I find baffling because I don't really know how to use it. Uh, yep, and you can find me on the Scottish Wrestling Network under hitting the headlines on there and hopefully by the time you're listening to this there will maybe be some Titanic wrestling stuff 
that will either have happened or will be coming up, which may be getting streamed in places if we can get that working. If not, keep a lookout for for anything to do with Titanic Wrestling on the socials as well, because we've got a we've got a brilliant roster full of hungry talent that have been chomping at the bit for the last year to get back at it. Uh, we've we've got some of the best trainers in in Northern Ireland and Ireland affiliated with us. Uh, we've we've got a, a raft of guys that are capable of putting on great matches, some great characters as well. Uh, and I just like, I just can't wait to for everyone to get back at it, and hopefully, depending on what the the landscape of wrestling shows is going to be, whether there is going to be you know shows getting streamed on on. YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, whatever, or if we're able to get people in, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can we can get the audience that we deserve and and, and get things back to, to a level where we can be going out and, and entertaining people and making some new names. Because no, no disrespect to guys like Tucker, JDP, Rocky, Luther, Big Tron as well. You know, these guys are still going to be very much at the forefront of the, the Northern Irish scene, but you know, we've got hungry guys like Eli Fox, Jordy Boy, James Toner, Jamesy Mullen, Amira Blair, who's, you know, if she's like she's doing great stuff for over on Instagram in terms of, you know, building her wrestling reputation. We've got Myla Grace, Sky James, Bobby Diamond, we've got loads and loads of up and coming talent. Uh, that if if you've not heard them on on the, the podcast, I'll I'll be trying to get them on soon or you can just do a quick search for Northern Ireland wrestling uh, on the socials and whatnot and blank out all the bad stuff about it and focus on the good stuff uh, and you'll find some absolute gems as well as the, the, the boys from down south as well, the boys and girls like Amy Alonzi I mean you, you just need to look at who's in NXT UK just now you've got the likes of Jordan Devlin Aoife Valkyrie, those are people that have passed through the, the doors of PWU in the past of this for Titanic wrestling and the the guys down in Fake Factory, there's going to be a long list of them coming through as well. So, so yeah, Northern Irish wrestling and Irish wrestling, once we can get back to doing shows, is probably going to be a, a good jumping off point for the, the future of wrestling in the British Isles. And I know that the ones down south don't want to be lumped in with being British, <laughs> but there's a lot of talent down there that deserve to get that recognition. Well, perfect. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. No problem. Thanks for having me, Billy. Cheers. No